Well, hello and welcome to the CRE with Cobalt Banker Commercial Worldwide Podcast. My name is Christina Ballas, the National Director of Strategic Implementation for CVC, and I'll be your host today. We are joined by Ryan Estes, founder and keynote speaker. Ryan spent 15 years helping companies connect with employees and customers as an ad agency executive, building a client roster of category-leading brands. Nine years ago, he decided to put that experience into practice and launch his own research and learning organization. Ryan is afforded an inside look at what the world's best companies do differently, and he shares that insight by helping clients initiate change, improve performance, and deliver growth. His writing has been featured in Forbes Inc., Fast Company, and Entrepreneur Magazines. He inspires audiences with practical insight, plenty of energy, and powerful, relevant stories that resonate long after the meeting ends. Attendees walk away with a specific plan for applying new ideas once they get back to work. I was lucky enough to hear him speak at the Cobalt Banker Commercial Leadership Summit in Austin, Texas a few weeks ago, and we are lucky enough to have him here with us today. Thank you, Ryan, so much for joining us today, and welcome. Uh, thank you, Christina. The conference was so much fun, and it's great to reconnect and have a chance to have this conversation, so it's good to be here. Awesome. Well, before we dig into ways we can be better leaders, and for our audience, mostly in the world of commercial real estate, but obviously it's a global idea of becoming a better leader, I wanted to talk about you and your journey. Tell us how you got to where you are today. Sure. Well, my my journey started in advertising communication. So I started as an entry-level salesperson and uh, I figured out how to get pretty good at that. And so, you know, naturally what so many companies do with top producing sellers is they promote them into leadership. And that is an entirely different job. And my transition into management wasn't so smooth and uh, I struggled. And so, you know, I, I really made it a mission. It was important to me to figure that out and to shore up some gaps and blind spots and, and actually become a, a more effective leader. And, and as I went on that journey of, of study and study and self-awareness and discovery, I, I really enjoyed, I think, over time, having an impact on others. The whole idea of team became a lot less about me and a lot more about helping other people fulfill their mission and potential. And, and that sort of became my favorite aspect of the job. And, and as I evolved professionally and moved into more senior level management positions, I got to a point where I wanted to have, I think, even a broader impact beyond my organization. And of course, that led me out of that organization and to start my own research and learning company, where now I get to study and write and think and inspire others for a living. And I love the work. That's interesting. I want to know what was your biggest pitfall at, when you made that transition into leadership since you identified that it wasn't something you were naturally good at right away? Yeah, well, I, I, you know, I had a lot of blind spots, so I don't even know that I identified it. What became apparent to me is people started quitting or pushing back or resenting me. And, you know, I had a very, I had a very specific way that I approached working as a sort of a lone wolf individual contributor, somebody that was out in the territory putting deals together. And when I came back into the office and tried to inspire others to do the same, it was just, I just wanted everybody to do it like me, right? To, to you know, work 100 hours a week and, you know, have no work-life balance. And I was a young guy with a ton of energy and a big appetite for success. And I was pressing and pushing and, you know, that was that was my way. And it, and it just wasn't the right way to lead other people. You know, I didn't take the time to sort of 
build those types of high value, high trust relationships that I think are integral. And I, I made it more about me and what I could accomplish and, and less about them and what they needed for support and what they wanted for their career and their life. And so I, I, I really had to go on a journey, I think, both of, of self-discovery and evolving the skill and competency that's required to effectively lead, manage and inspire others to achieve things for themselves. So. That's interesting. My question is, when did you realize that you had a talent of bringing out others' talents? Because that's something that I think with increased awareness of your effect on people, that probably came to. But when was your aha moment that, man, I'm I'm really good at bringing out talent now? You know, I, I think those beautiful aha moments come one of two ways. They come from silently observing somebody cross a new threshold in their own growth, development, or achievement. So I could sit back and watch somebody else running a meeting, giving a presentation and see this next level of confidence or a breakthrough achievement or surpassing a goal that wasn't mine, but that was theirs. And this new level of confidence and capability begin to emerge and this this new iteration of this person and professional begin to flourish. And that that was really profound for me. And then, you know, you get these beautiful months, you're lucky enough. And you have enough impact, you get these beautiful moments of feedback where, where people actually thank you and express gratitude and appreciation, you know, for helping them become more on the journey. And, and those those moments really had a profound effect on me. You know, both my parents were teachers. And I think I have a little of that gene or, you know, sort of that's in my DNA. And I, th- those those quiet moments over a conference table or a cup of coffee where someone now, I remember someone who was leaving. He said, you know, the, the gift that I have is I'm going to take what you taught me with me wherever I go for the rest. And I still get goosebumps. I'm getting choked up telling you the story. And I saw this person go on and have multiple sales jobs and then go into management and then start a business and then multiple businesses. And I, I see where he is today. And he still occasionally will reach back out and say, you know, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that time with you on your team. And that changed someone. That's that's life changing stuff. And somebody did it for me. And to have a chance to reach back and do it for other people. And then that became my motivation, you know, to th- this is what I want to do. I want to be of service to other people becoming more that, that, than they're capable of being on a much broader level. I want to write about it, talk about it, teach it, be it, become it, help other people get inspired to become it. And, you know, it was a beautiful gift that I was invited to spend time with your leaders, too. So you mentioned this word service, and that was something that I that I kind of took notes on and circled and put asterisks near. That was so pivotal in kind of what you were talking about, people being great leaders or taking it. And so obviously you felt that way for yourself in your career trajectory. But how do you see that as being very key for people to be good leaders and to grow their business? Yeah. So, you know, from my perspective, the way I think about it is that leadership isn't a job and it's a responsibility. And these people aren't trusting us, right? We get the talent, we get to care for them. And, and so, you know, and, and it's also not about me or it's not about us. It's about helping other people, right? It's about commitment and sacrifice and service and love. And, and so, you know, I, I take that opportunity or that responsibility pretty seriously. I think you know, I may even shared some of the, I call them my true North leadership questions, you know, these daily self-assessment questions that I, that I consider, you know, what impact did I have today? I think leadership is about impact, the impact we have on other people. 
And, you know, my newsletter is called Prepare for Impact. So I think about that. And if at the end of the day, I specifically can say, hey, I'm, I really had an impact on Lynn or wow, that conversation with Seth, he's going to take that and use it. That's real impact. And now it's going to go create a, you know, a ripple effect and help other people. And then the second one is, you know, how, how do I want to be remembered by the people I work with today? And that question really serves as a catalyst to help me show up as the best version of who I am consistently in the service of others. But I'll share something that I might I think is important to the listeners. It isn't just leadership, but it's also very much sales. Selling should be an act of service. Selling is helping people arrive at the very best decision for them personally. And of course, as entrepreneurs running businesses, we all have an agenda and growth targets, and we want to be successful. But I remind salespeople particularly, instead of focusing on how to be successful, Focus on how to be helpful. When you when you help somebody else get where they want to go, and you do that the right way, uh, you're going to turn those customers into evangelists, and they're going to be more inclined to help you get where you want to go. So it's, it's I think I think this whole idea of to work in the service of others is pretty a pretty good thing to consider. Absolutely. One of the Coal Banker Commercial's core values, which is probably why we were so aligned with having you at our conference with our leaders also is because, right, alignment, when you're talking about making sure that those things align for growth, like that's important, should be important to any successful company. But one of our core values is do right. And I think there's so much about that in the commercial real estate space in making sure that your clients come first and that things are done in an ethical manner with doing all the right due diligence and sourcing out all the right things. And there's a lot of pressure to to really make sure you can try and think of all the possible scenarios to do right by our clients. And I think this concept of being helpful is so core to somebody that is successful in the commercial real estate space. So that really resonates with me. And I think it will with our listeners for sure. Thank you. I wanted to think about, you know, how when you meet with somebody, how do you recognize maybe what their needs are? Like, how how do you assess do you, are you just an active listener? Do you send somebody, you know, a survey to fill out so that it better informs you about their company or their team? Or, you know, how do you kind of cue into what the needs are of, of a certain company? So yes and yes. All right. So, you know, and, and if you think about our journey, we did it in a very short time, right? I think I think we actually skipped the survey and we got right into the conversation. But it's, it's a couple of things. So qualitative research is great. You have somebody fill out a survey or an assessment. You get a real data set and maybe some anecdotal insight or some history, and all of that is useful. But, but then you also have to have skill in two-way communication, effective two-way communication. That's the qualitative part of the research. And you hit on something that I think is essential, uh, and it's essential to good leadership, and it's essential to being a good sales agent. It's, it's active and perceptive listening. So you, know, you have to ask open-ended, effective questions, and then you have to really drop in and be present. Listening is a skill. And actually, that's another skill that took me some time to master. You know, I think so often, particularly people in the sales domain, when somebody else is talking, they're preparing what they're going to say next. And they just aren't present. Right? They aren't holding space for somebody. And so really identifying if you're an active and present listener. So hold space, affirm what somebody says. Another way to do it is ask effective follow-up questions, probing questions. Well, that's an interesting perspective. Tell me more about that. Well, why do you feel that way? Okay, I understand the focus of the conference. What's prompting that as the focus? Where's that opinion coming from? And, and that, I call that technique layering, but you're giving somebody room to really think through 
their rationale and their decision-making and their positioning. And it's also then giving me an opportunity to have more depth in my understanding before I respond. And so if you think about effective two-way communication, you know, 70% of the time I want to be doing the listening. You know, if I'm talking to an employee of mine, I want to give them room to talk and, and speak. And so I can create understanding and awareness. And then I'll, I'll have my turn, but make sure you're present. The best leaders are present with presence. And oftentimes that presence is empathy, compassion, awareness, holding space. And those things are required today to, to lead effectively. I love that. Present Thank with presence. Like that, that to me, like it's, that is wonderfully put. How do you, you know, how would you recommend to somebody to take the time or like how, how would they go deep instead of just staying kind of surface, you know, if somebody that's not comfortable maybe with asking certain questions or how would you push somebody to go outside their comfort zone? Yeah, great, great question. So, um, you know, one of my mantras is we've all got to get a little more comfortable being uncomfortable, right? And, and I think a lot of leaders aren't prepared to establish these, these intimate relationships that this next generation workforce covets today. You know, there has been a dramatic shift or evolution in employees' attitude and expectations for their relationship with work and the expectations they have of their manager. And the relationship with the manager is the single largest driver of employee satisfaction and engagement. So it's something we have to get right. And employees today expect management to be invested in the whole person, not just their performance in the workplace. So it's, it's pretty clear that a whole lot of leaders and managers just aren't comfortable building these types of relationships. So what are some things we could do to foster those kinds of relationships? First thing, time. You have to invest and take the time. That requires some white space in your calendar. If you are scheduled with a Zoom every hour on the hour and it's four o'clock and you haven't spent time any time with your people, you haven't been a great leader today. About a third of your time needs to be invested in nurturing your culture, building relationships with your people. And I, you know, the pushback I get, oh, I would never have that much time to spend with my people. Then you're not going to have a great culture and a committed team. And, and so there are trade-offs here, right? Depending upon the size of the business and the role. And look, I run a small business. I get all that too. I still sell. I still do deals. But we, we have to invest the time in our people. And the second thing is cultivate the skill, right, of active and perceptive listening. Analyze, audit your conversation. Was that a 70-30 split? Did I rush through that? Was my phone on the table or in the palm or even worse, in my hand? Or did I drop in and was I really present? And what questions did I ask? And how much space did I hold? And how present was I in that conversation? And so that those things are really, really important. You know, I've got a one of the, in fact, the largest uh, home builder in Idaho, CBH Homes. Their their president, client of mine, Rhonda, uh, number one home builder in Idaho, number one place to work. Phenomenal organization. She has a philosophy. And the philosophy is called love wins, and she believes that as our part of our role and responsibility as leaders is to care for and love our teams. And if you're not in the love business, you're not in the leadership business. And and I think she's right. But one of the things that she does is that she has these just these coffee meetings scheduled. It's coffee with Rhonda, right? She's got a 30 minute space. She does. She tries to do a few of them a week. And, and it really is just 
an opportunity for her to drop into a personal. It's not about business. It's not about goal setting. It's not about what's in the pipeline or the CRM. It's about you. How you doing? Where are you at? How's work going? And it's you know how's your family? And oftentimes these these conversations go way past thirty minutes. But if you're doing three of those a week, you're creating these connections. You're building these relationships. You're establishing trust. You're demonstrating your commitment to service that you care that you want to honor and support your people. And it reverberates over time through the culture, and it creates a culture of connection. And she's done a beautiful job of that. And I just think it's a good way to think about how you spend your time, how you're making deposits in these and nurturing these relationships. That's a that's a great call out. You know, thinking about putting in the deposits. We we sometimes use that lingo, I think at least in the residential space I've heard it. I'm not sure if it's very common in the commercial space, but you know, we we hear that from a sales perspective, you know, a lot like putting in those deposits, but sometimes we forget that building culture requires that too and it's not just about client relationships, but it's about internal relationships as well. And they're if not the same importance, maybe more. Yeah, I think it's 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 good occasionally to self-assess, you know, what are the what are the characteristics or attributes of the best relationships in my life? The people that show up for me that I love and appreciate and value and I know I can always count on what defines those relationships. And then how can I create those relationships in my life? You know, little little exercise I like to do. Everybody on the call could do this or on the podcast. If if you think about somebody in your life. And I'm sure that there's somebody, whether it's a boss, mentor, coach, counselor, teacher, could have been a parent, friend. Think about someone that had a real impact on you, that really influenced you and helped you become the person you are today. And think of that person. And then think of the gift they gave you. What did they give you that was so valuable? And really reflect on that. It's a beautiful reflection. And now the challenge then is, who upon being asked that question would put you on their list? And what gifts are you giving away? each and every day. That's leadership. That's beautiful. Gosh, I could think, you know, I'm like glowing thinking about those that influenced me. You know, that's it's a really happy thought. But I, I love taking that to the next level and thinking about who, who, if anyone, have I done that for and how did I do that? That's important next steps. You talked about this, I, your, your mantra of being comfortable with not being comfortable. And I want to dig into that. Why is comfort so dangerous? Because it's a recipe for disruption. Your success is a beautiful thing, but success breeds complacency. And we're living through an accelerated pace of change. The world is changing so fast. And so we have to be comfortable. We have to reorient our relationship with change. You know, somebody that's done change management consulting work for many years, you know, change used to be a project, right? We, we, we have, we're in this state. We're in the current state. We need to get to future states. So we have to go through this change journey. That's over. That's traditional change management. Now we are entering a continuous state of reinvention where the change journey really never stops. And, and so we have to get comfortable with this constant state of change. And it means we have to think about work, working differently. 70% of today's leaders or managers identify as being burned out. So, you know, we, we have to adjust our relationship to sustain this sort of accelerated pace of change, transformation, and disruption because it's continuous. The way I think about it in my business is I'm always conducting at least three little experiments. Little experiments means I'm, I'm experimenting. Maybe it's with my marketing. Maybe it's with my structure. Maybe it's with a, with, with a new vendor partner. But I'm running these experiments, and I don't think they're all going to be successful. In fact, I'm quite certain that many of them won't succeed. 
but I'm collecting insight, data, and I'm iterating my business forward. I'm not static. There is no status quo. You have to reorient or disrupt yourself at the pinnacle of your success. That's the not, that's the time to do it. Not two years downstream when things are too late and there's competitive pressure. So, you know, it's Jeff Bezos, Amazon. He always talks this way. It's like productive paranoia. He says, you know, Amazon is going to be disrupted one day. That's why we always have a day one mindset. It's day one today at Amazon. We're in white space. We're inventing, disrupting, challenging ourselves, breaking the status quo. Day two, the status quo is stasis. And it's a recipe to get displaced. And you got to just decide which camp you want to be. Change is uncomfortable, but it's where the opportunity is. What are you doing for in your career that's pushing yourself out of your comfort zone today? Yes, you know, I, I started I started two businesses in, in my life. One, um, and I told my sort of career, my entrepreneurial story. You know, one was in 2009. I left a Fortune 500 company, started my first business. Started my second business last year, just because I think I think these moments, you know, whether it was the Great Recession, the pandemic, they're moments of massive reorient, reorienting, disruption, transformation, and they're significant opportunities. So I'm I'm actually running my speaking practice today with three three new partners who are all thought leaders and experts, great keynote speakers. We've combined our back offices, and then we've launched a new development business alongside it. And it's completely reoriented my approach, but it's it's making me a, a, a better speaker, a better expert, a better researcher. And now we're also creating enterprise, enterprise value in another business. So I've completely disrupted my entire approach to the marketplace in the last 18 months. And it's never been more uncomfortable and more challenging. But at the same time, I've never learned so much and had more fun. So I just think... Um, this is a phenomenal time to be an op- entrepreneur if you're willing to lean into change. And I've had to force myself to do it and sort of take my own medicine. And I think that's where the growth happens. Absolutely. Is there ever a time where you see yourself enjoying the fruits of your labor and like, you know, chilling out? Or is that like complacency or is there space to pause, reflect, enjoy? There's absolutely, and this is critical space to pause, reflect, and enjoy. There, so there is no destination that's going to make me happy. I have to enjoy the journey, and that's 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 recent perspective. That's growth. But I'm deeply committed to self care, to mindfulness. I spent the first two hours of my day in a recovery center called Peak Lab with two friends, and you can go down there and do a cold plunge and do a sauna, and we have butter coffee and we talk. And so I'm I'm really big on connection and relationships. That's a big part of my you know, foundation, my mission. And I I think, you know, at the end of the day, when you reflect back, you know, the quality of your relationships really is the quality of your life. And they're important at work with my team and my customers, they're but they're important with the people I care about and love the most too. So to me, health is wealth and I, I want good relationships and balance. I have a boat. I live in Minnesota. I love wake surfing. And I'm going to carve out time to do that. And it's it's easy to get out of balance in the world we live in today. And as an entrepreneur, it's easy to sort of get sucked into that because the work never ends. It's always going to be there. But, you know, you you have to create a fence around those things so you can live a, a full life. So it's very, very important to me. There's no destination. Enjoy the journey. 
That is so important, especially for some of our listeners. I think, you know, anybody that jumps into the commercial real estate space needs to have an entrepreneurial spirit or an ownership mentality and really like take on their career that way, whether they're just an individual producer or if they own a commercial real estate company, you know, and I think sometimes we forget that enjoying the journey and pausing is and filling your own cup or whatever metaphor you kind of use is important to sustain that for, you know, for however long you want to be in the business. And then that's really important to remember that that's part of it. The recharge is part of, of the day. <laughs> it is, you know, I, I track it, right? I wear one of these fitness straps so my recovery, my heart rate, the amount of rest I'm getting, the sleep I'm getting. You know, if I'm going to go hard between eight and five, what I'm doing around that in terms of lifestyle is, is pretty quick, critical to give me the energy and the sustainability that I need for the kind of work I do. Absolutely. And health is wealth. Boy, could that not be more accurate in this day and time, right? Like that is something if it, if there was a one or two takeaways from 2020 to now is health That's is wealth 100%. 100%. <laughs> I agree. You know, I wanted to give our listeners maybe a few things that they can implement today. You know, no, no need to wait, no need to like do a ton of re or maybe research as part of one of the things they can do, but what can they implement today to be better leaders and to be more present? Well, I think one of the things you could really think about is having a personal leadership vision. So do you have a manifesto? What do you stand for? You know, do you have a one page document that would inform someone, yeah, hey, my best day, this is how I'm going to lead. And, and a great a great starter kit for that is answer the two questions. What, what kind of impact do I want to have? How do I want to be remembered by the people I work with? What gifts am I giving away? You know, get those three paragraphs down on paper and then have the courage to communicate it to your team. I'm going to ask a lot out of you. We're going to go hard. We're going to accomplish big things. We're going to build a successful business. And by the way, here's what you can expect from me. And when you can say that out loud and you can answer those questions and you put a stake in the ground on that, that's your true north then. And when you have a clear vision, right, and you have a true north, it's a lot easier for you to not get reactive, but but to be responsive and the kind of leader you want to be. I, I think it's a great leadership takeaway out of this. And then, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm big and obsessing with calendars. One of the things we do in our executive coaching practice, I'll talk to a leader about, hey, what are your priorities? What's important to you? Like, what are you focused on? What are your big three or four things? And and, you know, the answers can vary. Hey, I want to grow the business or I really want to you know, influence my culture. I know it's a difficult time. So I'm taking care of my people as best I can. And then I say, OK, hand over your calendar and I want to see how closely the way you've mapped your day maps to what you just said. And so if you're telling me your people are priority, but you're not spending any time with your people for three weeks. So I, so I would just say get pretty disciplined with your calendar, the way you spend your time. And that go, that also leaks into the self-care piece. Right. So. You know, a workout, a workout with my trainer and my calendar, my team knows that's treated like a meeting with the CEO. No one's yanking that off or scheduling something over it or deleting it. Like, no, Ryan has a four o'clock appointment with his trainer and we can work around that. But the guy needs to take care of himself. And I used to not have that level of discipline, but these are things I've learned. So I think those are three very tactical things that anybody listening this could do to could do to not only be a better better leader but a better leader for themselves and that's another thing i'll mention leadership is an inside out game it starts with you lead yourself first and when you're good you're better you're better able to serve others absolutely you know it's what's interesting 
when you were talking about preserving your calendar for things that are truly important to you. This is one scenario that in my experience, sometimes it's easier to be a working parent. There's not very many times that I will say that that's true. And that might not be only for me, but I mean, I, if I have to pick up my kids or drop them off, like I just have, like, there's no negotiating that. I can't, I can't push that off or put another meeting on. And a lot of times, actually, I, I chat with some people that that don't necessarily have little ones that they're, you know, responsible for. And that is something I use as an example of I'm very protective over something because I'm responsible for other humans' lives, but you're responsible for your own life. And if something's really important, you should you know, keep that true to you. And I think that's one instance that working parents may have an easier time blocking their calendar. Well, well, look, I, I think you're right. And I think it's just a wake up call for the rest of us to, to say, hey, what are the things that are important to you? Because the truth of the matter is the way we're working isn't working. If you look at levels of stress, where mental health is going, you know, the reports of anxiety, overwhelm, burnout, exhaustion, fatigue, that's not sustainable. Eventually, if you feel that way over an extended period of time, something's going to happen to you that isn't great. So I think it's time that we we reclaim what we were made for. And part of that is preserving our well-being and investing back in us. That's good leadership and it leads to a better life. Absolutely. Okay. I have a question for you about what you, did you learn anything from the conference that you joined us on for with commercial real estate professionals? Yeah. You know, I, I think one of the things that I I reflected on after that conference is how important human connection is to the work we do, our growth as entrepreneurs, and just our experience. You know, I think everybody in the room that day felt reconnected and part of something larger than themselves. And that's because we weren't staring at a screen. We were together in person. And even today, this conversation, I'm, I believe it's different because you and I have met in person. We, we've stood in the same room. We feel a different level of connection between us. And, and I, th I think we've underestimated that. Like, oh, it's going to be great. We can all work from home and use technology. And something gets lost in that. And, I, and I'm not saying we should be bound to an office five days a week to the contrary. That's not how I run my business. And I don't believe that's necessary. But what I do believe is there are these moments of human connection that are critical to foster these relationships. And I think that was one thing that was deeply evident to me during our time together. And I'm sure your people reflected on that and you feel the same way. Absolutely. It was it was such a feel-good event, not only because everyone was working on themselves and being better leaders and connecting and networking to actually do business together, because that's the reason why we get together, right? Is really to to grow, but really just gosh, did it feel so good to shake someone's hand or hug them? Like, I mean, there's just nothing that replaces that. I love the video chat. I do feel pretty connected, but right. it's that pretty connected. It's taking it to that next level. And, and man, was it special to be with each other again. That's for sure. And we were just uh, you know, thrilled to have you there to really push us to thinking in different ways. And our listeners got a little taste of of what we were, what we got to experience in person. And it was really special. So thank you for joining us again today. It was my pleasure. So if I was going to conclude, you know, my learnings from this call, I would say your biggest thing is to, so for me, it's coming up with your personal statement, your personal vision, and, you know, what impact did you have today? How do you want to rem be remembered? And then what gifts are you giving today? 
but sharing that with your team and that that extra level of having others hold you accountable just by you sharing what you want to do and how you want to be, I think is so powerful. And that is my biggest takeaway. I'm curious if you had any others or, you know, if that sounded spot on to you. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, I think that's a beautiful reflection and takeaway. And I think, you know, I, the, the other thing is just remember, you know, growth growth occurs at the edge of your comfort zone. So I lean into that change. That's where the opportunity exists. And I think if, if you feel that discomfort or tension or a little bit of that fear and anxiety, that means you're moving in the right direction. You're about to conduct an experiment, evolve, disrupt yourself, and get some insight that's going to help you get better going forward. And we're all on that growth journey. And that's why it was beautiful to participate in the growth conference and be around, you know, your entrepreneurs who are hungry for more. So I really, really have enjoyed the partnership and connection. It's been a lot of fun. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right, Ryan. Well, how can people get in touch with you? Yeah. So the, the website is ryanestis.com. That's sort of home and then pretty active on LinkedIn and Instagram. So if you want to connect on LinkedIn and see how we leverage that platform for business development and connection and content, that's a great place to do it. And then Instagram is probably a little more personal and intimate and fun. You might see like a picture of my nephew playing basketball or something like that. But you know, I'm an open networker. So connect, drop me a line. I'd love to see you there. That's wonderful. You also mentioned a newsletter that you send out weekly. Yeah, it's called Prepare for Impact. And so we could attach a, a link. Just, just need an email address. There's nothing to buy. It's free. We do a custom tip for the week in letter format and then a custom video. That's all about business growth. And so, uh, yeah, you can get it on the website or we can drop a link in the show notes and everybody can join us in the journey forward. Wonderful. Well, thank you again for your time today. For anybody that loved what they're hearing, don't forget to like or subscribe to our podcast. And we look forward to you hearing more from us soon. Thank you.